here, um, Dan was asking me if I needed an introduction. An introduction. <laughs> I feel like I'm home, so I said, no, I don't need an introduction, but there are a few of you who don't know who on earth is this guy. So I'm just going to introduce myself very quickly. My name is Ivan Omania. I am a pastor. I work for the North American Division. I'm the Associate Director of Chaplaincy Ministries for the West Coast. That's a huge title to just to say that my job is to support pastors who are working outside the church and uh, that are working in as chaplains. We have, um, last time I checked, we have about 700 chaplains nationwide. About half of those are in the West Coast of the United States. And, um, Although the offices of the, of the division are located in Maryland, it really doesn't make sense for me to go there and live there because all the people that I care for are here. So I live here. I actually live seven minutes away from this church. And so um, whenever I'm around, which is not very often, I like to come over and spend some time with you guys and, and share. Um, I just feel like I need to share with you guys. Those who know m a lot more than me about fashion say that it is an absolute sin in fashion to wear white after uh, Labor Day. And since Labor Day is coming, I figured I, I would put on my, my white suit <laughs> and not commit any sins after that. Not commit any fashion sins after that. <clears throat> um... Happy to be with you. I'm also very happy that I have my cousin here. Drove all the way down, and his family and his friends with him. His name is Ariel. Thank you for being here, primo, cousin. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you about an interesting topic. As you see in your, in your programs, the blessing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, you do know, those of you who have been here before, that I like to be closer to you. So I'm going to come down a little bit and speak directly to everybody in the audience. One of the reasons why I decided to talk about blessing um, is how many of you have a little bit of Hispanic in your background? All right, we have some of us are here have a little bit of Hispanic. Do you remember, I don't know how it is in your cultural background, some of us from different places in the world. I am from Venezuela in South America. And so there is this tradition, whenever you depart from the presence of your parents, you know, you're going out to do something or whatever, do you have any, that tradition in your countries where you have to turn around and is an absolute sin if you don't ask for their blessing before you leave the house? It is an absolute sin. Actually, there were times when my father would call me and said, hey, where are you going? Is there something missing? Oh, yes, that. La bendición. <laughs> and then you would ask, you would ask your grandparents for that? Or you would, you would ask, I don't know, in, in my country, it's like it's an absolute sin. And I know there are some places like you have to ask for the blessing, for, for a blessing. And thinking about that made me think about how parenting has changed. You know, 
my daughter still asks for, for a blessing before she goes to work or wherever she goes. And so I think I did a good job teaching her. <laughs> but <clears throat> how education and the bringing up of our children has, has changed. So today I wanted to, to talk a little bit about that and maybe draw out some interesting lessons about us and our relationship with God. Because you see, many a times, actually there are, there are studies out there that say that when any, whenever anyone asks you to think about an image of God and you close your eyes normally under normal circumstances, it will be a parent that shows up in your, it, it'll be the picture of a parent that shows up in your mind. And your image of God many times is, is transformed or affected by the relationship that you had with your parents. So let's, talk, let's, let's, let's think about this and talk about this and, and try to learn a few things in the process about all this. First, let's go back to the story that is in the Bible. And I realize very late that <clears throat> when you use technology, sometimes you misuse your fingers. I meant to say that we had to read from 2 to 4, and I stopped in 3. I'm sorry about that for our scripture reading, but it's okay. Let's read in our Bibles, Genesis chapter 27, verses 2 to 4. And it says, I'm reading for the, from the New King James Bible. It says, then he said, let's, let's, let's paint the picture before we get to then he said. Who's he in this Bible text? It's Isaac. Isaac. And there is something interesting about him that is happening. Bible says in verse 1 of 20, Genesis 27 that he was growing old and then the Bible says, it's, it's kind of interesting the way the Bible explains this, because the Bible says, and he could not see because his eyes were so dim. He was growing old, and he could not see because his eyes were so dim. Now, he said to his favorite son, behold, now I'm old and do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please. Take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food, such as I love. And bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. This is where I get the idea of the blessing. Why? Because Isaac is saying to his son, his favorite, by the way, you do know the story. You know that Isaac had two boys, Isaac and Jacob. Ah, thank you very The kids are paying attention. It's Esau and Jacob. Now, they were both, they were twins, right? That means they were born on different days? No, that means they were born on the same day. They were twins. They were born on the same day. But there was one that was older than the other. Who was the oldest one? Why? 
because he was the one who came out first. But Jacob was always conniving and always, he even from, the birth, from birth, the Bible says that he grabbed hold of his brother's ankle. He wasn't going to be bitten all the time, so he grabbed hold of his brother's ankle and they both came out. All right. Now, the interesting thing is that the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. The problem is that, what's their mother's name, boys? Kids? Rebecca. Very good. She loved who? She loved Jacob more than she loved Esau. Gee. So there's fighting in the house. There's fighting in the house. Why? Because mom loves one and dad loves the other. Two different favorites. There's also a prophecy. Bible says that there was a prophecy. The prophecy was that the oldest would serve the youngest. Mm. Who's the older? And who's the younger? So who would be serving Jacob? All right, guys, I think I have some people with me here. You guys are with me. That's good. That's good. That's good. That is good. Now, the blessing. Let's talk a bit about what that means in the culture that we're talking about. In my culture, asking for the blessing is just knowing that the last thing I hear from my dad or from my mom or from the important people in my life is a blessing. God bless you. And I feel like I'm protected when I'm going out because my father or my mother or my grandma or my uncle or whoever is that is that person of authority is saying, God be with you. God be with you. So I leave feeling like at least my parents pronounce a blessing on me. In the culture of Israel, when a father is extending a blessing to his sons, he is extending more than just the name of God. It is actually what we would call a testament nowadays. The reading of a testament, you know, a living will. It is actually the pronouncement of a living will. I am bestowing on you not only the blessing of God. I'm bestowing on you responsibility. I'm bestowing on you. Um, I'm bestowing of you on you the richness of or the lack thereof of our family. I'm bestowing on you whatever we have as a family. Now think about that, parents, fathers. As you bless your children, you are bestowing on them. You are putting on them. It's like you bestow the jacket on me. You're covering them with whatever you have. Now think about this from the perspective of what do I have to leave to my children or to the next generation? What do I have? I was reading a book the other day, and I've, I've shared this, and, and, and it's interesting because it has nothing to do with this blessing 
topic that I am, but in, 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 in fact, it does. In fact, it does. I'm, I'm reading a book entitled Compassionomics, The Science of Compassion. And the very first statement of that book is that in the United States, 69% of the population that was surveyed does not believe that compassion is a value. Seven out of every 10 Americans do not believe that compassion is a value. And then Harvard University did a little bit more study about this. They went to middle schools in Boston and asked children, you know, what is the most valuable things for your, thing for your parents? What they found is that the most valuable thing for the parents, according to the children, was good grades. And then they went and asked the parents, and the parents say they wanted their children to be good citizens. There is a difference between what the parents would like the children to know and what the children believe their parents want of them. Now, would, uh, do you wonder why there is a crisis of compassion around us? What are we giving our children? Well, the Bible tells me a few things when I read a little bit more into the story. So come with me. You know that it was, you know what happened. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Rebecca heard, Rebecca heard that Isaac was telling that to Esau. And as Esau went out to go look for the whatever it is that he was hunting for, Rebecca came down to Jacob and said, hey, we're going we're, we're gonna to trap your father into giving you that blessing. By the way, there was no need to the trapping. There was already a prophecy, and God already had a plan. The problem is that when we step into God's plan, we always messed up. We always mess God's plan up. I mean, it began with the perfect couple in the Garden of Eden, right? They decided to mess it up, and here we are. Be, you know, a few, a few years before, Isaac's father also decided to take things into his own hands, and here we are. 6,000 years later, paying for that mistake. Whenever human beings try to help God, they always mess it up. And that, this is exactly the case. Rebecca cooked the meal that Isaac wanted, right? Yeah. And she had, who take it over to Isaac? But there was a problem with Jacob. There was a problem with Jacob and Esau. Although they were very good brothers, although they were twins, they were different not only in their personalities, but also in their complexion and in the way they were. What happened? Esau had a lot of hair in his arms, and Jacob was fair-skinned, the guy. 
Yeah, he didn't have any hair. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened to him, but he was different. So <laughs> he was happy, she says. All right. uh, we, we're going to have to talk about that later on. I don't know about that. All right. Hey, but he comes, he brings the food to the father. Verse 17. Let's jump all over that. Then she, who's she? Rebecca, Rebecca gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please sit and eat my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, this is important. How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to, his, to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you. He's not stupid. He's old, but he's not stupid. Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Interesting. I want to know if you really are my son Esau or not. Huh. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hand. So he blessed them. Um, I jumped over verse 22. And this is important, and I'm going to come back to verse 22 later on. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, Look, this is important. The voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. I'm going to read that again. The voice is what? Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. He's lived all his life with those two boys, right? Do you think they could lie to him? Do you think they could really lie to him? I'd like to suggest to you that there's a reason why the Bible tells me that. And there's a reason why he mentions that. The voice is the voice of Jacob. Which, by the way, what's the meaning of the word Jacob, of the name Jacob? Do you remember that? Deceiver. The liar, the deceiver. So the voice is the voice of the deceiver. Who's the deceiver? Yeah, but let's go now. Let's get out of the story and think about universally. Who is the deceiver? The voice is the voice of Satan. But the hands are the hands of Esau, the son of the promise. You see? The connection there? Now, I'm going to go very quickly, if you allow me, to learn some lessons about that blessing. 
and then we're going to come back to this last part of the, of the experience, all right? First, let's learn some lessons about this blessing that Isaac shares with his son, Jacob, all right? The first part of that is, if you read the words, if you read the words that are there in the Bible, you will find that the first ingredient of a blessing is meaningful touch. What are you saying, Pastor Ivan? What did Jacob do? He said, come close. Let me touch you. Let me have you close to me. There are interesting ways where artists have rendered that story, but all of those, all of those ways involve Isaac putting his arms around Jacob. So the first ingredient of a blessing is meaningful touch. Now, be careful with this. When I say meaningful touch, I'm not saying that we as parents are entitled to dirty touch. We are responsible to taking care of our children. And taking care of them first and foremost means teaching them by example what meaningful, safe touch means. Are you with me? I know I'm speaking a little bit of uh, things that are not usually spoken from the platform. Perhaps we need to do that every, a little bit more. Because our children were, will learn from us what it means to have meaningful touch. Right? So that's the first point. That's the first thing we learn from that blessing. The second lesson we get out of that blessing is, is found a little bit further down. A little bit further down in verse 27. Verse 27, Isaac says, Oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. And you go, what? The second ingredient is a sp spoken message of affection and love. Our children needs to, need to hear from us that we love them. And Isaac is just using the ideas and what is culturally relevant in his time. The smell of my son is like the smell of the field. Just as long as a skunk has not been around. I suppose today's children will not appreciate something like that. But here's the interesting thing. In the ears of Jacob and Esau, that statement means something. So, I would like to suggest 
that as parents, we are responsible of learning the way our children perceive our messages of love. So let's talk to them in their language of love. The problem is that media nowadays has taught us to speak to our children in a different way. Just watch one of those supposed family shows and you will hear words like, you dummy, why did you spill the milk? Or you lazy, or you're too fat. Words of criticism. But I think the message of a real blessing is you are worth something. I'm glad God gave you to me. You're better than anyone, any person I could ever receive. I am thankful that you are a blessing to me. And then I believe it's Psalm 127 that says, A blessing of the Lord are the children. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's the first ingredient of our blessing? Meaningful touch. The second ingredient of a blessing according to this story is? Words of love. Words of love. Words of love, yeah. And then the third part of this comes automatic after we share with them the words of love, after we share with them the words that mean something to them, this is automatic. We assure them of their value. Verse 28. Look how Isaac puts it. He says, may God give you of heaven's dew and of earth richness and abundance of grain and new wine. He's saying you're special, so God will give you the best he has. God has the perfect preparation, the perfect plan for you. God has the perfect plan for you. And I just can't wait to see how God's plan fulfills in your life. That's very different from what a lot of people are. Hold on, let me go back to that. When, when Harvard University asked parents what they wanted for their children, they wanted what? They wanted them to be good citizens. But what they were teaching their children, what their, teach, their children were perceiving is they want good grades. So how can we instill in our children the desire to know that God has a wonderful plan for them? God has a wonderful plan for them. That's the third part of the blessing. First one is meaningful touch. Second is words of love. Third one is assuring them of their value. And last, but certainly not least, is picturing God's glorious future for them. Look what it says in verse 29. May nations serve you. 
and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mothers bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. So it's sharing with him a glorious, glorious future. Sharing with him a glorious future. Now, let's go back to this thing about him knowing who he had in front of him, but still he gave him the blessing. Once again, the Bible says that when Jacob got close to his father and he touched him, he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of? All right. And then I made a point at that moment and I said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. And Jacob means the liar, the deceiver. And the hands are the hands of Esau, the son of the blessing. The son of the promise, I'm sorry. Now that sounds like somebody I know. I said, the voice is the voice of the liar. And the hands are the hands of the son of the promise. Who extended his hands as a promise? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then the Bible also says, when Jesus is having that conversation with Nicodemus, he says, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The voice is constantly the voice of lies, the voice of deceitment, because Satan is the Lord of this world. But the hands... Represent the grace of God. The blessing of God now extended to every one of us, his children. The blessing of God's forgiveness and God's covering of our sins. And even though God knows that we are covered in that disgrace of lyingness, disgrace of deceiveness. He says, I know you sound like a deceiver, but my son's hands have been extended. The hands are the hands of a promise. So today I want to close my sermon with a story. You, you guys know that you, have, you who have heard me preach before, you know that I like to take a little bit of um, liberty with the Bible text. So I'm, I'm sharing with you a story that has, has been preached and told and, may, and told in many, many ways. You can find it in Luke chapter 15. It's an old story with, an old, with a new twist. I hate stones. I hate them with passion. I don't like them. They seem to be part of my life. No matter where I go, everywhere I go, there are stones Oh, I'm sorry. Let me explain to you a little bit. I work with my dad. He has a field 
Me and my brother are with him all the time. And my job is to go clean the field every day of the stones. That's my job. I got to go clean the stones every day. And I spend the whole day, the whole day, bending down, picking up stones and throwing them out. And it seems like the devil of stones comes at night and throws the stones away into the field again the next day. I hate stones. But I hate more people who want to throw stones at me. Right there next to the door, to the entrance, the gate in my town... There's a huge pile of stones. And I hate the people who are always looking at those stones and trying to find ways to throw them at me. me. The elders of town, they sit next to those stones every single day. And they look at me. And sometimes I've heard some of them say, Hey, son! Hey! You keep behaving the way you're behaving. One of these stones is going to land in your head. I hate people trying to throw stones at me. So one day, I decided I had enough. I don't want to be picking up stones every time, every day of my life. So I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I want it all and I want it now. So my dad went. I don't know how he did it. I guess he went to a bank and asked for a, for a loan or something. I don't know what it did, but I, know, I don't know how he did it. He just came back to me, gave me a big fat check with a lot of money. I took it and ran away. <laughs> every one of those stones in the entrance in the gate to my town, every one of those stones, I deserved it. As a matter of fact, I did things thinking about those stones. Every one of those stones, I deserved it. I behaved in a way that anyone could take those stones and throw them at me. I spent everything my father gave me. And I spent it in things that glittered and things that shined. But there was a moment when the money ran over. <laughs> and I was left, and all I, I was left with was with a memory of a father who had me picking up stones every day. I was left with a memory of a warm plate of food in the table. But I didn't, I didn't want to go back to the stones. Have you ever been hit by a stone? That hurts. I don't want anybody to be throwing stones at me. But the reality is, I couldn't stay away from them stones in the the entrance to my town. So, one afternoon, as I'm seeing my face in the puddle of water, the reflection of my face I remembered the words of my father. Son, whenever you feel like you want to come back, the door is open. Just come back. (sighs) So I stood up and started the journey. Difficult journey. Every turn I made, I saw stones in the road. And I thought, 
man, those stones are going to hit me hard when I get back home. They know I deserve all those stones thrown at me. Yet my father told me that I could always come back because he loved me. Would that be right? Would that be truth? Every turn and twist of the road on my way back home made it very difficult. I was afraid. I didn't know what was going to happen. Finally, I'm close to town. I can see the gate at the distance. I can see the people that are there. I can see the elders of town sitting next to the stones. But all of a sudden, something happens. I squint my eyes to see what is happening. Oh, there's an old guy running. Old people know, don't run in my town. They don't run. The expectation is that the young people runs to them, not them running to the young people. And then I see, it's my dad. He's running towards me, but he's not just running. Have you ever seen a guy running from third base to home plate? Like the game is on the line for him? That's how he's running. And then I realize something that is happening. My dad is putting himself between the stones and me. So if anybody wanted to throw a stone at me, they had to hurt him first before they could get to me. We hugged each other that day. And then we had a party and we celebrated and all that. Oh, yeah. I still hate stones with passion. But I know and I love that my daddy loves me. I know that my daddy loves me. Get the point? Do you get the point of the story? That's the biggest blessing. That he placed himself between the stones and me, between the stones and you. And he received the whiplashes that were supposed to be yours and mine. He got them. The crown of thorns that was supposed to be yours and mine, he put it on. Although he didn't deserve it because he, he didn't do any wrong. He made the choice in order to protect you and me. So don't you ever forget it. It don't matter whatever happened to you. Your daddy loves you. And he has placed himself between the stones and you. Thus giving you an everlasting blessing. God bless you.